Please to Luke's Gospel. Luke's Gospel, chapter number two. Amen. Oh man, good news from heaven. Amen. Aren't you glad you got good news? The world's got enough bad news. And Jesus came and brought good news. If you have your Bibles, Luke's Gospel, chapter number two. Let's look at verse one and read a few verses. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own hometown to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. I want to glean our thought this morning from verse 7. And we'll use as a title, Making Room for Jesus. Making Room for Jesus. Man, that glorious night when Jesus was born. When Jesus was born, His birth drew Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. Caesar was ruling, but we all know that God was the one that was in charge. He used Caesar's edict to move Mary and Joseph some 80 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem to fulfill His Word, to fulfill the words of His prophets. And you know, God works His plans in our lives. He guides our lives even through sometimes ungodly and unlikely sources and resources. And we see that in the Christmas story because when Jesus was born, His birth drew Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. But His birth also drew the angels from heaven. How amazed those angels must have been when they saw the Creator born as a creature. The Word becoming a newborn babe. They announced it to shepherds and then an angelic choir broke forth in a great song of praise. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. His birth drew angels from heaven. His birth drew shepherds from the fields. After those shepherds heard the message of the angels, they responded. They, they went to Bethlehem. They found the Christ child. They, and then they spread the news to others and they praised Him and worshipped Him. You know, the shepherds are a real good example of how to make room for Jesus in your lives. They heard the message and they received the message. They responded to the message. They rejoiced over the message. They retold and told and shared the message to all who would hear. On that magnificent night, Recorded by Luke, it says that Mary brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him at a manger. There is no room in the inn. On that night, it was a night like none other before since. A night when number one deity invaded humanity. In a tidy Judean village some 2,000 years ago, God in human form entered the human race for the first time. He entered this race to become the one and only mediator, the one and only reconciler between God and man. Fully God and fully man. 
The birth of Christ was the moment in history when God became a man. Deity invaded humanity that night. But I'll tell you what, eternity invaded time that night. You see, Jesus existed. His existence did not begin at His birth or conception. Only His humanity did. Jesus existed forever as God, the second person of the Trinity. See, Jesus is eternal, and at His birth, His eternity invaded the realm of time. There's never been a moment when Jesus Christ did not exist. But He submitted Himself to the boundaries of time for our benefit, that one day you and I might be loosed from the boundaries of time and enjoy eternity with God everlasting and everlasting. On that great night when Jesus was born, it was a time when deity invaded humanity. It was a time when eternity invaded time. It was a time when heaven's royalty invaded our poverty. The King of glory, the Creator of the heavens and the earth, He laid aside the riches and the privileges of heaven. And He came, became a man, born in a stable, born to poor parents. He laid aside the privileges of deity so that He could Share in our humanity. Heaven's royalty invading our poverty. Look at how Paul writes it in 2 Corinthians 8 in verse 9. It's so sweet. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. For though He was rich, yet for our sakes He became poor, that you and I through His poverty might become rich. Jesus became poor that you and I might become rich in faith and rich in salvation and rich in eternal life. The beautiful wonder of salvation. When Jesus Christ became man and went to that cross and took our place, He bestowed upon you and I the riches, the riches of forgiveness. It's a great thing to know that a Savior came and He came to save us from our sins. It's glorious to know that our sins have been forgiven. We're rich. And forgiveness. It feels good to know my sins and my lawless deeds. God remembers no more. This Christ came. He lifted me up from my poverty of sin and made me rich in righteousness, rich in purity. I thank God for His riches. We thank God for His acceptance because Jesus came. He reconciled us. He bridged the gap. He took away that which separated us from God. He restored us to our relationship. As we sang earlier, Hark! The herald angels sing glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth, mercy more. God and sinners reconciled. Because God came down, you and I have an acceptance from heaven that God embraces us and God welcomes us. And through Jesus Christ, He says, Whosoever will, you can come and receive my salvation. You can come and receive my forgiveness. When Jesus came, it was the royalty and riches of heaven's salvation invading the poverty and the lostness of man to take us from where we were and lift us up to where God desires us to be. What a glorious thing. We're rich this morning because Jesus became poor because He submitted Himself to this humanity and identified with us on Calvary and He shed His blood that we might be lifted up. And this day we're rich in Christ in forgiveness and in salvation and acceptance. We're rich in hope that we know 
This world is not our home. We're passing through to a better place and a better day. We have the hope of forever and forever with God and with the righteous that have gone before. Christmas speaks of the riches we have in our hope and our confidence and our expectation of a glorious future in Jesus Christ. I remember the author wrote, some years ago, that back in the 70s, he said there was a home in our subdivision that kept their lights on after Christmas. He said it went into, through January. It went into February. And i got to admit, the author said, about time February came, he says I was getting a little bit cynical, and I said to myself, well, if they're too lazy to take their lights down, they ought to at least turn them off at night. You know, it's the middle of February. But he said about March. I realized why those lights were up. When we saw the sign, this is the early 70s, Welcome Home Jimmy. And then news got around the neighborhood. Their boy had been in Vietnam. And they had hope and a confidence that God was going to bring them home. And they said, we're going to keep these lights up till God brings our boy home. And those lights spoke of their hope and their expectation. God's going to bring our boy home. God's going to bring our boy home. When we see Christmas, Christmas is one way that God reminds us of the hope we have in Christ. That God came. That God identified with you and I. That God endured the suffering, the shame of the cross that we deserve. That He triumphed and that He's coming again. Our gift is a hope. God says when you think of the Christmas season, be reminded that I haven't forgotten you. And I haven't forsaken you. And that I have come and I've made a way for you. And I'm going to return and take you with me forever and forever. Christmas speaks of the riches we have and our hope in God and our hope of eternal life. Can you say amen? Amen. That was a night like none other when Jesus was born. Deity and eternity. Royalty. Yet the Bible says something interesting. It's just a line, just half a sentence. There was no room for Him at the end. That's interesting. As the time drew near for the birth of our Lord, the city of Bethlehem was literally bursting at the seams. I mean, all the people were coming to register for Caesar's um, census. Mary and Joseph had to make an 80-mile journey. She's pregnant, ready to give birth. It's a mountain, it's region. It was a hard trip. And when they arrived, they found no welcome. When they arrived, there was no one willing to accommodate them. No vacancy for the Son of God. Now, many people were not like the shepherds who we said received the message and responded to the message rejoiced over the message, retold it again and again to all that would hear. But unfortunately, this Bible tells us there were some who missed Christmas. Some for, who, for a variety of reasons. Haven't made room for Jesus. Examples are in the Bible. The innkeeper's one. He was too busy. He was preoccupied with the temporal. Busyness crowded Jesus right out of his schedule. It was census time after all. The city was filled. There was so much that he had to do. There was money to be made. And he was distracted. Now, the the innkeeper, he wasn't hostile. He wasn't really hostile to Christ. He wasn't consciously trying to avoid or reject Jesus. He was just too caught up in other things that he missed the most important thing. Don't miss the most important thing. He was... It was right in front of him. They came knocking on his door. Please, my friend, please, 
Don't let temporal distractions, temporal responsibilities keep you from, blind you to the most important thing, the eternal things. Take time to refocus. If need be, take time to recalibrate and to make sure that you're making room for Jesus in your life and in your family. Can you say amen? There are many that miss Christmas that day. There are many that miss Christmas today. The innkeeper was just one. He was too busy. But then there was Herod, and Herod's a whole other story. He was just too rebellious and too selfish. Remember Herod, he's the one that said to the wise men, let me, he lied to them, let me know where he is. I want to worship him. He didn't want to worship him. He wanted to murder him. And he did, right? He tried to. Herod's a different story. We don't want to dwell too much on Herod. He was a wicked, murderous man. He saw Jesus as a threat. To his rule and to his reign and to his throne and to his self-rule. Now there are many today that doesn't mind singing, Oh, Gloria, they don't even know what it means. There are many that doesn't mind the warm and fuzzies of a Christmas season. But oh, if you preach a real Jesus and a real gospel, it makes them uncomfortable. It begins to threaten their self-rule and their self-lifestyle and their self-control. There are people today, unfortunately, many people like Herod. They just refuse to receive him as Savior and Lord. They choose to fight and resist God. They see the real Jesus, the real gospel, the real Christmas story as a threat to their freedom, lifestyle, self-rule. And they refuse to make room for Jesus. They refuse to believe and come to Jesus. Like Herod, they see Jesus Christ as a danger, not a Savior. As someone to be avoided, not someone to be embraced and adored and worshipped. And of course, they consciously make no room for Jesus. Now, there's many others in the Bible that missed this Christmas story. They missed Christmas. There was the people of Nazareth. They were much too familiar with Jesus. They didn't see the uniqueness in Jesus. I mean, they grew up with Mary and Joseph, and they were familiar, and so they saw no something. They didn't see anything special in it. They were used to it. It's just the way it was. And they missed the, the importance. They missed the uniqueness of Jesus Christ and who He was. And of course, there was Rome. I mean, Rome was there in Rome, but they had their power, and they had their idols, and they weren't going to lay down their idols for any Jewish Messiah. And some people today, we like the singing, and we like the philosophy, and I like the self-help, but I'm not going to lay down my idols and make anyone Lord. We look into the Bible, and the Bible tells us that unfortunately, on this great night when heaven was invading, and God was reaching down to rescue a fallen man, there were some that ignored it and some that rejected it. There were some that didn't think they needed it. Where the innkeeper was busy, too busy, and Herod was selfish, too selfish. Jerusalem was religious, too religious. Now think about it for a minute. In Jerusalem, not very far from Bethlehem at all, in Jerusalem was the place of the priest and the religious scholars and the temple. And the celebrations and the sacrifices. And they relied on their own righteousness. See, they had all the... They had their ritual. They had their sacrifice. And they didn't see their need of Him. Jerusalem was the hub of religion. God's temple was there. The feasts were there. The celebrations. The ceremonies. The religious scholars and the priests. And these of all men, they shouldn't have missed the birth of Christ. I mean, shepherds testified to them. 
the scriptures were understood by them. They were able to tell the wise men years later. That's where he is. That's what the Bible says. They knew it, but they didn't respond to it. Bethlehem was close by, but they didn't even get down the few miles to see the Messiah and the Savior. They were religious, but lost. You've got to be more than religious to get to heaven. Think about that. They all, they felt that all their ritual was enough. And they failed to see that they needed more than religion. They needed a personal relationship with the Savior. With the one and only Savior. Matthew 1 and 21, that's what, um, remember the angel was speaking to Joseph when Joseph was getting a little concerned and the angel said, wait a second, what's in Mary is birth of the Holy Spirit. And in fact, Joseph, she's going to give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. But the religious rulers, they, they didn't think they needed a Savior. But they had the outward ritual. They had the outward. It was like the man that said one year my wife decided she got eight big beautiful boxes and she had them decorated, ribbons and bowls, and they just sat outside the house. They were decorations. He said, I didn't bother with anyone wondering if anyone's going to steal them. I could care less. They were empty. And often religion can have outwardly, but of inwardly, You don't have Jesus. You're an empty box. You can have the outward of morality, of heredity, of education. But if inwardly you haven't made room for the Savior to come in, then you're still as lost as lost can be. They had the outward apparel of religion, the priest, and they knew the Messiah was being born. And they didn't even go to worship Him. They didn't think they needed Him. They were trusting in works external, so they made no room for Him. But friend, how could anyone ever be saved if they make no room for the Savior in their lives? Let's make room for Jesus. Let's make room for Him personally. Let's make room for Him in our families. Let's make room for Him in our entire lives. He made room for us. Let's not forget God because God has not forgotten us. How can we make room for Jesus? Well, number one, you have to, you can receive Him personally as your Lord and Savior. How do you make room for Jesus? Make sure you don't confuse religious exercise or um, self-merit, your good works, or your family heritage with sincerely giving your life to Christ. And letting Jesus be your Lord. Now this is a personal thing. Your wife can't do this for you. Your mother can't do this for you. This is something you have to personally come and say, Jesus, I open up my life to you. I make room. Come and be my Savior. Come and be my Lord. And you give Him your life. He came to save. And that's because every one of us needed a Savior. The people who make room for Jesus, number one, they have to be honest enough to admit their need. They have to be honest enough to admit, I'm a sinner. I've sinned and fallen short. I've sinned and I'm not right with God. I need someone to forgive me. I need someone to cleanse me. And those that make room for Christ's salvation are those that have to be honest enough to see their need. Secondly, they have to be humble enough to receive Jesus. 
and surrender their lives to Him. This Christmas season, number one, make sure that you're making room in your life for Jesus to be your Savior and to be your Lord. Open up your heart and bow your knee and let Him in and let Him change you and transform you and forgive you and make you brand new. But secondly, for those of us that say, I've done that, I've done that, well, let's make room for Him daily. Let's make room for Him not just to save us, but to work in us because that's His heart's desire. Let's allow the Lord to work in us, to mold us, to shape us, to mature us, to transform us. Let's make room for Him daily to have His will done in our lives. Let's make room for Jesus. That by His Word and His Spirit, He can transform us and mature us and take us to new measures of His image and His likeness. Make room for the Savior to develop you into a strong, steadfast, stable son or daughter of God. But lastly, let's make room for Jesus. Not just to work in us, but to work through us. Let's make room for Jesus this Christmas season and every season to work not just in our lives, but to work through our lives. Let's allow Jesus, allow Him to use your life to touch someone else, to speak to someone else, to tell someone else the story, to be an answer to someone else's prayer. Make room for Jesus. To use your life as His vessel and His instrument. To minister His love. To minister His kindness, His care, His hope to someone else that's in need. Be alert. Be aware. Be ready for open doors that you can let Jesus work through your life. To touch someone in His name. He says, when you do it in My name, you do it unto Me. You know, just the last few weeks, I've run into three different people and just in a matter of conversation, I was blessed how just through the conversation, they were, how they were letting God use them. They were letting Jesus work through them. One was a brother and he was giving his time in, in, in a way that blessed my heart. Ran into him at the store and I was on my way back from one of the nursing homes. And he said, yeah, I try to get up to such and such a home at, at least once a week. And I go, oh, you got a family? He goes, no, 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 there's just someone. I think I used to work with him. And um, he's a lonely, older guy. And he's by himself. And his family's all by the state. But I try to get up there each week. Sit with him. Encourage him. Maybe bring him something, a cup of coffee. And I said, man, you know, you're making room for Jesus to work through you. You're um, being an answer to someone's prayer. You're allowing the compassion and the care of Christ to shine through you. I thought of that man that used his time, and then I thought of one of the sisters that, in conversation, she allowed her profession. You know, you can complain about your job, or you can give your job to Jesus and let Him use it as a place of your ministry and a place that He can flow through you and do great things. She said how in her job she was given a tough task and a hard assignment with a certain group of kids that were labeled a certain labeling and very hard. And But she goes, I did it unto the Lord. And oh, how God took this. this, oh, this and God was using this situation to a point that parents were coming saying, you're an answer to our prayer. We prayed that something like this would happen. And they got a Christian. And I said, wow, what a, what a way of letting Jesus have room to work not just in you, but through you. I thought about a family that from another state that God had blessed their business to such a place that said we can't just be selfish. We've got to let Jesus flow through us into complete strangers in other states 
Sending forth gifts of benevolence. Gifts of helps. Simply because they're opening their lives and allowing Jesus not just to work in them, but work through them. I think of the shepherds. They went and they told the news. I think of how they spread cheer and joy wherever they went. And I pray that this Christmas season, those of us that know the Lord, of course, will give Him honor and glory, but we'll also remember that He wants to flow through us. He wants to use us as vessels to love somebody, to give someone else hope, to give someone else the good news that we know. Please, open your lives. Give Jesus room to work in you. But, oh Lord, don't stop there. Give Jesus room to work through you. Because He'll use you as His blessing. He'll use you as His answer to someone else's prayer. Can you say amen? Amen. Jesus made room for us. Can we make room for Him? Number one is our Savior. And that's a personal thing. It won't happen by accident. You don't get saved by accident. You won't get saved just by being around it. It's not like the flu. You know what I mean? You won't just get it by accident. You have to consciously and personally come and say, Jesus, I receive You. I give my life to You. Make room for Him. See, And those of us that are Christians, can, can we make room to allow Him to work in our lives each and every day? Can we recognize Him each and every day? Because He wants to take every one of us. We're on the journey. And He wants to mold us and shape us and work in our hearts. He wants to heal things. He wants to develop things. He wants to polish things. He wants to sometimes sandpaper things. It's all part of the maturing process. But we have to let Him work in us. Amen? So as I go through the year and I go through different things, Lord, work Your good work in me. Transform me. Make me more like You. Make me into a stronger, more stable, more settled son or daughter. But then lastly, let's allow Jesus not just to work in us. Let Him work through us. As you go through life, be aware there's someone out there that's hurting. There's someone out there that's in need. There's someone out there that doesn't know the hope you have. And if you'll allow the Lord to order your steps, and you'll say, Lord, I'm going to be aware. Would you order conversations? Would you bring me to places where I have an opportunity? Maybe to love someone. Maybe just to give a kind word to someone. Maybe to send a note to someone. But Lord Jesus, we make room for You to work through our lives to touch others in Your name. Because we know by touching others in Your name, we're touching You. Amen? Amen. As we close and we sing our final song, a prayer, final prayer, we're going to open the altar. If you need prayer for anything, if you like anointing with oil, if you need touch in your body, and you would like the Lord to heal you. We have oil. We'll anoint you and pray that prayer. But most importantly, if you personally have not given your life to Jesus, if you have not making room for Him to come in and be your Savior and your Lord, I invite you to come. Someone will pray with you. But receive Christ. Make, he made room for you. He remembered you. It's time for you to remember Him. It's time for you to respond to Him. So if you don't know the Lord and you haven't made room, I want you to come after. When we start singing, I want you to come and receive the greatest gift you could ever receive, salvation through Jesus. But now if you're here and you just need prayer, we have the anointing oil, and I believe God would love to touch someone on this beautiful day. 
I believe that that anointing on those wonderful songs that were sung, how they glorified Christ and they spoke about the good news of a great God and a loving Savior. I believe He wants to touch us and demonstrate that love right here and now. As the oil flows, His power will flow. I believe that with all my heart. So if you'd stand with me, please. I want to pray our final prayer and we're going to sing and open the altars. It's early enough that if you come, you don't have to be rushed, but God will touch you and God will do wonderful things in you. Let us pray. Father, I thank You for coming to redeem us, Lord Jesus. We thank You, Lord, that You came. You didn't have to come, but You so loved us. You were so compassionate, full of mercy towards us, You came. Thank You, Lord, that You came to redeem us and to save us from our sins. You came to make us sons and daughters of the living God. We thank You for that. And Lord, I ask You that You'd help us year-round to make room for You in our lives. To make room for You to work in us. To make room for You to work through us. That, Lord, we're so thankful for salvation. But we don't want it just to stop with forgiveness. We want to grow in you. We want our relationship with you to mature and deepen and to develop. And, Lord, help us to remember throughout the year to be yielded, to be open, to be submitted, that you can continue to transform us day by day. But, Lord, we ask that you'd also flow through us. There's so many in this world They don't know the hope we have. They don't know the Jesus we serve. There are so many that are hurting and they're just struggling. And they're confused because they don't know you. Lord, use us. Use us. There's people that are lonely. Use us to be comforters. There's people that are confused. Use us to bring the light of your truth to them. People that are just bound and they're beat up by life. They haven't known any better. Use us as your instruments of healing, of comfort and of mending. Now, Lord, as we praise you and worship you, as we come to this altar, I pray, O God, that you would touch lives with your mighty power. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now begin to heal the hurting. Right now begin to strengthen the weary. Right now begin to fill the thirsty. Fill them, fill them, fill them. Show us your power. Reveal your glory. In Jesus' name. And we'll tell it, we'll tell it, we'll tell it. Christ's name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord. If you need prayer, come. God's going to touch you. God's going to fill you. God's going to heal you.